Praise the Lord. Well, how many visitors this morning? Not a one. At least I don't think you're just a visitor. I hope you're not. <laughs> but God always designs things the way that they should be. And so we're going to speak this morning some things that we need to hear directly to the church. We went up the other night, and I just had to say, Lord, thank you for that encouragement. The brother brought a scripture that I've heard all my life. Never thought of it that way. I'm not sure he ever thought of it that way, but the Lord brought it to him. Beautiful for situation, and I've just been thinking about that all the rest of this week. Beautiful for situation, and so I had something that I felt like that I wanted to lead up, that would lead up to uh, what I wanted to preach this morning and give to the church. But the Lord has changed the direction a little bit, and this from time to time happens happens to me. Um, because really at heart, I guess, I'm a revelator. And I, I enjoy preaching all the other aspects of the gospel. The gospel is not just in one aspect. It all culminates in Christ, but we all preach different things. Brother Chris has been preaching about the omnipotence of God, omnipresence. Brother Dustin has been teaching about the image. Um, Rodney's been speaking about uh, just a lot of different things that are have to do with us and, and our function in the body and and how God is using this church. And so we all bring a different, you know, kind of different angles. Amen? And they're all good and profitable. But sometimes um, the Lord would just have me go into this area, and so I'm going to go into this area this morning. I need you to understand uh, on a level of, of understanding and wisdom. Sometimes I say, well, we're going to have college class this morning, but there's dumbbells that are in college. I'm sorry. I don't know. That's not going to work. We're going to have to go to a higher education than that. Get out of college, a bunch of educated morons. But um, wisdom starts with God. When you kick God out of the school, guess what? A bunch of dummies are teaching. Oh, they might think they're all smart and got all these good ideas and all political understandings of everything. And, but really, wisdom, the beginning of wisdom. Everybody say amen. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of God. When we turn him out, we have no wisdom. But this morning, I want you to just, we're going to go to the scripture. Um, you probably have heard this before, but you're going to hear it again. How many of you have ever heard, Jesus is going to take care of your problems? Has anybody ever heard that? Just raise your hand right there. If you've heard it five times, raise your hand. If you've heard it 50 times, raise your hand. If you've heard it 150 times, my point is, that this message, we need to keep it in our heart. We need, we need to understand it. So go with me to the book of John, 14th chapter, and I want to look at 
just part of the um, sixth verse, and then after a bit we'll, we will uh, read the seventh, eighth verse. But I want to just take a, a little phrase out of here that the Lord just ministered to my heart, and sometimes this is the way it works. Jesus said in the sixth verse, 14th chapter of John, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we had a, kind of a ruckus a few months ago where a preacher got up and we all saw it. And they said that their church is the way, the truth, and the life. I don't agree with that, but Jesus said, he didn't say my doctrine is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I want to be careful about this because he said, I am the way. The things I've told you about are, are good. They're leading. They're, they come unto me and, and learn from me. But then we'll take it to the personal. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's not even the part of this, this verse that I want to look at this morning, but it, it worked good. The last stanza here of this verse, No one comes to the Father except through me. And so let me read it with, with a little bit of Greek in there. No one comes proston patera. You've heard this. You've heard me say it. The Lord spoke to my spirit again this morning, preach proston patera. Because I tell you, it starts and ends with him. He's, what? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So sometimes we get lost in between. But he's the author and the finisher. And so I want to look at this term, prostom patera. No one comes prostom patera, if not through of me. The genitive case, it changes some things. <laughs> and I'm not here for a, for a Greek and English lesson, but it's not through me as though I'm something expendable, but it's through of me. It doesn't leave him. The going through, so the word dia means to pass through. So when you came in this morning and you opened the side door and you came in, that would be dia. To pass from you were outside and you passed what and came inside. And that passageway you went through. But when it's through of me, then we have a different perspective of this. Never do you leave the place of going through because it's of me. So we're going to look at this for a little while. Everybody okay? 
So I'm going to challenge your faith this morning. I, I want to challenge your faith. Your faith is not in. Really, I'll be careful to say this, but your faith is really not in a redemptive work. Your faith is not in what God can do for you. Our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, we just ask you, as I, as I try my best, Lord, I feel inadequate always when I look at how great you are and how small we are and our understanding. Lord, but we just ask you, open your word to us this morning. Let us see you. Let us see you, Lord, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. At times, the revelation of Jesus Christ has got to be brought to the church. And it's got to be focused on in the church. Paul the Apostle, great preacher, writer of most of the New Testament, as you know, he said this in Ephesians, I think it's the third chapter, he said that God had given him a knowledge and an understanding of the mystery of Christ. Again, when we use this word mystery, we're not saying that it's something that is mysterious. That's not the Greek rendering there. It's just something that's hidden to, to our eyes. So the mystery is revealed. Paul gets an understanding. And with that understanding of Christ, now you have to, you have to realize he has no New Testament to lean on. We do. So when we go to understand Christ and who He is, we have, we have an aid to that. And that is the recorded Scripture of God. God breathed Scripture. Paul doesn't have that. But he says, the Lord revealed to me the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's, Nobody gave it to me. I didn't go to a Bible school to get it. I didn't sit in church to get it. But the Lord revealed that to me, and then he tries to relate it to the church, which is difficult. It's difficult. One of the things that we always do, and, and this is who we are, and I, I point right at myself too, is that we are men, fleshly men and women, and we have a fleshly mind, and the fleshly mind is always the scripture says, in enmity with the Lord, because it cannot know the things of God. And so what we try to do when we, when we come uh, in front of a congregation, in order to appease the congregation, we try somehow to mix the, the physical thinking mind with the spirit, and it never works. We just go away confused. There's never a time that your mind is going to grasp the things of God. Your spirit has to grasp the things of God. Paul said that your mind cannot know it. It can't happen. And so for us to come and try and persuade the mind, all we're doing is, is, is we're, we're, we're not really relating the revelation of Jesus Christ. So 
I want to talk about this. But today I want to go to the words of the Lord, not the words of Paul. I want to go to the words of the Lord. And so let's look at the words of the Lord and how powerful and awesome that those words are. I, I appreciate Paul and his giving us, relating to us the mystery of Christ and the revelation which he understood. But I want to look at what John recorded for us in the 14th chapter. And John was with him. John was there. John was standing, sitting in the room when he said these words. No one comes. Prostom Patera. If not through of me. John heard it. Recorded it for you and I. The mystery of Christ is in revealing his person. Not his power. Not his ability. Not the attributes of him. But the mystery of Christ and revelation of Christ is revealing his person. So when we get to know somebody, What's the first ways that we know them by? We usually know them by how they are, what they say, kind of their responses, you know. Um, we, we know how they'll act in a certain situation. We kind of begin to know the things they like and the things that they don't like. And, and that's all attributes of that person. But when we really, really get to know that person, we, we know them in a different way. You that's lived with your wife, well, I can say 40-plus years, I know pretty well where she's at. All the husbands say amen. And uh, so when you've been your children, you know your children. You know what they're going to do. I can tell you what they're going to do if a certain situation comes up. I said, nope, that's what they'll do right there because I know them. But if we only know the healing power of Jesus, if we only know that He can save and wash your sin away, then really what we know is about Him instead of who He is in His person. So the revelation of Jesus Christ goes deeper, and then 99% of what we preach is what God can do for you and not who He is. So we're going to deal with that a little bit this morning. Everybody okay? I want to talk about his identity. Even the disciples of the Lord, look at this. When you go through the New Testament, the disciples of the Lord at times were just knocked out of their, their minds by what he did. By walking on that water, by calling Lazarus out of the grave, by just the, the miracle in their own hands of feeding the 5,000 and and all of that is just so tremendous that they, they often fall down on his feet and they worship because of what they saw. I hate to pick on Thomas, but I use him at times. It took him three years, however long they were with the Lord, let's say that three and a half year ministry with Jesus, being part of that ministry, watching Jesus die. It took a resurrection it took an ascension and a descension into a room where they were before Thomas finally realized who Jesus was. 
Thomas held in his hands the fish and bread too. Thomas went out with the 70 and cast out devils and, and healed the sick. But he didn't know who Jesus was. In that final stanza that we learn about Thomas, it's the last thing we know about him. Jesus says, Thomas, you come and look right here. Look at my hands and look at my feet, my side. Put your hand in my side. Thomas, the light came on. The light came on. My God and my Lord. See, miracles do not necessarily acquaint you with Him. It's something a little further in your spirit that you've got to go. I wonder if it took Thomas all that time, three years, and all the things that happened, and I wonder how long it'll take this world-infused modern church to understand who Jesus is. He's used as, as the diving board for your blessing. He's used as the name that we can flash over the door so that you can come in and be saved. But we don't preach him in his person. So I'm going to have to go. And let's see what kind of time. Oh, we got plenty of time this morning. This is great. So I'm going to have to go to a subject that um, has been very controversial for 1,700 years. And I'm going to move slow this morning so you can all understand where I'm at. I, I, I'm, I doubt if anybody's going to jump up and shout this morning. Arianism. Early 4th century. This man named Arius. Dare he look at the scripture for himself? Dare he say anything contrary to the flow that was going on? By this time now, the Roman Empire has accepted Christianity. In fact, in, in some few years later, it's going to become the national religion, Christianity. And so the persecution has come down and dissolved a little bit. Uh, Constantine, when Constantine comes in, he is, his mother is a very spiritual woman, and, and he becomes spiritual and, and baptizes his whole army. You know all that whole story. But Arius is going to go against the flow. And whenever you go against the flow, it's not going to be pretty. This church has gone against the flow for a long time. And at times, it has not been pretty. We've had people upset, people mad, people walk out, people quit, people accuse us of being all kind of things, cult and this and that and the other. And let it fly where it flies. But like Arius, we're going to take what we feel is, is the correct view of who the Lord is, and we're going to work on that. Now, let me give you his words. And then you've heard these before, but let me, let me repeat them again for you. If the Father begat the Son, then he who was begotten had a beginning in existence. And from this follows that there was a time when the Son was not. I would be ran out of church for that, for saying that. And I didn't make it up. Arius did. 
And we all call ourselves, you know, attached to Arianism because of a lot, what of, a lot of what he believed and, and put into the Christian faith is right. Now, let me tell you something. When the Catholic Church hates your doctrine, you might be right. There is nothing accurate or true in the Word of God uh, that the Catholic doctrine accepts or believes. And, and that's gone all the way back 1,700 years. They haven't changed that. And so the fruit of it now, you're beginning to see the fruit of the Catholic Church. Oh, they didn't accept some things. You know, we were celebrating the Catholic Church because they didn't accept abortion, but they are now. And they didn't accept gays, but they are now. Because the Catholic Church is not the church of God, and their doctrines are not the doctrines of God, and their God is not our God. So they hated Arius they, uh, for that statement. There was a time when the sun was not. But I stand with that this morning, and there's a good chance that you'll be as mad at me as the Catholics were at Arius. There was a time when Jesus did not exist. Oh, Yahweh existed, but Jesus did not exist. There was a time when there was no sun. If we can just see our mind just gets so bound up with, with what we want to believe, we can't even understand the phrase only begotten son. It doesn't even, well, when was he begotten? He was begotten before the world. Well, that's, that doesn't even work. He's born in Bethlehem of Judea, and we know when. And so if there was a plan of God that was going to be manifested in the earth and the psalmist wrote about it and the prophets wrote about it and all of the seers of old understood it in, in, in small part and God himself moved upon men to write it down. It was the breath of God. It was the anointing of God upon men's life to pin it down. But there was a set time when the son would be born. And until that time, there is no son. And now I'm going to say this, and, and this may be something that, that you haven't heard too much. There was a time when there was no father. I took it a step further than Arius. Because if there's no child, there's no father. We said, Father God, you know, Father God was the creator. Yeah, he was the creator. Yahweh created, and in type, we can look at him as being father. See, we are all God's children, yeah, you know, but he only had one begotten son. One. Everybody say one. The only begotten son. So until that was begotten and done, he was not a father. Oh, man, so we've been taught the placings of God. We have Father God, and we have, we have God's Son and God Holy Spirit and all the placings of God in heaven, and we understand God that way, but there is no Father God in heaven until there is a Son in the earth. 
See, God can do this. He could call himself father before he ever has a son. He could call himself father. He looked at Abraham and said, you're the father of many nations. And Abraham was like, I don't even have a child. But God can call him the father of many nations because he sees past the moment. Amen? He knows the end from where? From the beginning. And so he looks at Abraham and says to Abraham, you're the father of many nations, and out of you the seed shall come. And Abraham's like, me? And it reminds me of Gideon. Thou great man of valor. No, it's not what he is right then. It's what he's going to be. He will deliver Israel, but he hasn't yet. He's... So God can be perceived as Father in heaven. And we, we all talk about that Father in heaven. But he really, Hebrews says today, today. Today is a time, in, 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 it's, it's a moment in time. Today. Today you are my son. And I will be a father to you. Because there came a moment in time. Everybody say amen. There came a moment in time. So, of course, if you believe that there was an eternal son in heaven and that there always was an eternal son in heaven, and I don't know if anybody believes that here this morning or not. I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm just trying to bring the word of God. But if you believe that, um, then you would reject this. And to me, I would be excommunicated because believing exactly what Arius said on this point. But God sees something greater from the beginning. And so, and so the Old Testament says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This goes all the way back to the logos of God in the beginning. So the logos of God to become flesh and tabernacle among us, we find it in the 14th verse of the first chapter of John. And the logos of God became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory just like an only begotten alongside His Father, full of grace and truth. So then, Pastor, then you believe in two. There is the Son alongside His Father. Well, as we go on with it this morning, you will understand clearly that I don't believe in two. There is one that is spirit. There is one that is flesh. Paul said it this way. There's just one Lord. There is one spirit. There is one God who is God Father over us all. But there is one Lord. And there is one Spirit. But when this Son is born into the earth, when the Son is born into the earth, everything changes. Everything changes about God and man. Everything changes. All the God association changes. The point of contact with God changes. 
No longer is God going to speak out of a dark room that occasionally a priest would go in just one time a year and sprinkle blood on an altar there in abject darkness where God told Abraham, I will speak out of the darkness. No, what happens now is that he brings it into the glorious light. And so this point of contact with God is no longer going to be in a back room covered in darkness, but it's going to be the light of the world. Can you say amen right there? And then so the point of entry for you and I has changed. The high priest mediation between God and man is over. You don't go to a high priest to get your sins absolved any longer. And that's basically what they did. The Catholic Church copied it, that their priest can give you absolution. Well, they took that from the old Jewish thing. They would go to the priest, and, and there the priest would do a sacrifice for you. And that was your mediation with God. Then you were forgiven because the priest did what he did. But all of that's changed now. There isn't going to be a priest that's going to do that for you. The mode of worship is changed at the birth of Jesus Christ. God says in Deuteronomy 6, and you'll read it where Jesus told Satan, It is written, The Lord thy God thou shalt worship, and only shall you worship Him. But then God turns in Hebrews, the first chapter, and says, Let all the angels of God worship Him. Well, if the angels... Satan is one of them. And so this realm of angels that must worship him, how much more humanity must worship him? But no, we want to worship God. No, it's all been changed. Sorry, the son has been born. The child has been given. The son has been born. And we no longer know God the way we used to know him. Now, you and I sit in the New Testament time, and so we didn't have to make this move like those disciples did that followed Jesus. So there's a change in the worship, what they could not see, to what now they can see, the visage, the image of the invisible God now stands before them, and they yet not understand who He is. God changes from the fire and the cloud and the burning bushes and all the manifestations of the Old Testament the theophanies of the Old Testament where God would put on clothes and visit Abraham, where God would show up in places. But now he is in a body, in a cardinal body. He has, he has a man body. He's not just a theophany any longer. And he's not just the Lord of hosts, the captain of the host of God who shows up somewhere. He is the king of righteousness now that we see, that we know that he is physical and he is with us. Let me say this, and I believe that we're all on this same page. There is no other option for relationship with Jehovah God outside of Yeshua Jesus. We're running amok with the holiness movement on that. The holiness movement believes there is yet another person 
that you have a connection with, that you can go to to get to God through another person. But there is no other option. Everybody say amen right there. There's no other option. And that's why, that's why the apostles said when they were on trial, said there is no other name on earth given among men whereby we must be saved. There's nowhere else to go. There's, there's just one because he is the way. We, we, we read that this morning. He is the way. And when you go down that way and you arrive at where it is he's taking you, you come to the door to go in, and he is the door. And you'll find when you get inside that he is the house that God built. And you will find that everything that goes on in that house is the glory of him. That every song that's sung is sung to him. It's not sung to you and I that we are we are triumphing and we are getting over problems and we are conquering. But every song, every glory, every honor is done to Him. And all the praise and the worship is not about flesh anymore. It's not about you and I. It's not about what we've put together and the church that we've bought and Echoes of Calvary and what we're intending to do. But it all the praise and the glory and the honor goes directly to Jesus Christ. All the fellowship that we enjoy, all the koinonia that we have, one with another, is only because of the man, Jesus Christ. It's only because of him and what he has established. And because we all belong to him is why we have any fellowship. First John, the first chapter. I wish, church, that you would enjoy the fellowship that we have with Father and with Son. We're going to have to work on that a little bit again. Because it's so plain to us when we finally put away the thinking cap and we get our heart open to the revelation of Jesus Christ, we realize that He is the radiance of God's glory. We realize He is the character of the substance and essence of who God is we understand that He is the incarnation of God in the flesh who has come to be with us. And at the same time, He is the Ancient of Days. He is the I Am who was and is and always will be. He is the Almighty God. So is it too much then? Too big of a reach? Is it out of his rank that he should stand up in front of his apostles the last night of his earthly ministry and say to them, he's never said anything like this before, but the last night of his earthly ministry, and I won't go to this part, but he says a little bit later in the chapter, I am going, Prostom Patera. But what he says to them is that no one comes in contact with God except 
through of me. I, I think they're blown away. This, they, don't under, they don't know the crucifixion is going to happen the next minute. They're, they're like, they've ate this Passover supper with him pre-Passover, and they're getting ready for the Passover day. And then the Lord begins to reveal to them. You talk about heavy revelation. He's got, I've got so much for you that I can't give it to you because you cannot understand it at this time. You can't bear it. You can't take it. You can't know it. But you will know it. See, to this time, he had been the Messiah to them. He had been the rabbi to them. He'd been the great teacher, Lord to them. But now he's... He's trying to make it clear to them. He starts this 14th chapter. You believe in God, but you need to believe in me the same way you have believed in God. Because here's what's going to happen. Is that if you don't, you will have no contact and no communication with God at all. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no communication with God. I didn't say it. He did. People get in places in their life where they begin to call out to God. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Oh, God, well, I don't want to deflate anybody's balloon. You're not getting to God if you don't come through the man. You're just flat not getting to him. Well, you know, that's, that's mean-spirited, Pastor. That just, you know, I got some people and they love God. If you don't love Jesus, you don't love God. So, oh, man, they're good God-fearing people. Are they Jesus-fearing people? I've said this many times, and, and, and I still believe it. Get out your money and look on it and say, in God we trust. They could have really cleared this thing up if they said, in Jesus we trust. But God can be anybody, anything, whatever you want Him to be. Post, postmodernists believe that God is just however they want Him to be, whatever they expect Him to be, whatever they think He is. That's what God is. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. You do not have connection without me. So anytime we rule Jesus out of the situation, God's not in it. We're going to have a Holy Ghost service tonight. And, and Jesus is, I was in the building and the man said, Jesus is not going to be here today. And if I hadn't been with my cousin, I'd packed up my ditty bag and said, let's get out of here. I'm not going to be in church where Jesus is not. No, I don't, I don't have any interest in being in church because Jesus proclaims himself. To be the only contact of humanity with God. There is no outside contact at all. I don't care what you call it. It's not going to work. It has to be him. So I want to read this seventh verse. And we'll go down just a little bit. And uh, if you had known me. Now he's talking to his disciples. Everybody got your scriptures up? Put that up. The seventh verse. I want you to stay with me just a little bit. We're almost done. But I want you to stay with me. The Lord's going to just help us, reveal to us, show us something. 
if you had known me, speaking to his disciples, of which he had just said, there is no contact with God. There is no prostom patera. You're not going to any father unless it's through of me. And so now he says, if you had known me, He looks at his disciples who have traveled with him. They've ate with him. They've slept by him. They have been with him for years. Not a few months, for years. You know what he says to them? You don't know me. Isn't that beautiful? I think that's what he's saying to a lot of the church. You don't know me. Because if you had known me, the father of me, also, you would have known. Then the Greek, I love this, puts in this little word. It's A-N. It's an untranslatable word which indicates the possibility under certain conditions. It's just not even translated, but, but it presents a possibility under certain conditions. And the condition is, if you had known me, you would have also known my father, And and listen, and from this moment, right now, you know him and have seen him. Wow. I mean, mean, he's pulling back the curtain, right? This is the last time. Why didn't he do this a year ago? Why didn't he do it two years ago, three years ago? Why didn't he do it when he went out to their boat and said, Come and follow me. I'm God the Father. He doesn't do it. He waits and waits and waits. Because he has to go to a cross. Amen? He emptied himself of being God in the earth in that sense. So he didn't insulate himself from the cross. He's going to the cross. But now he declares to his disciples, this is so beautiful. If you'd know me, you would have known my father. But from this moment, he says, from right now, that's the last night of his ministry. From this moment, you know him and you have seen him. And so then, then we get down in the eighth verse and there, and Philip says to the Lord, show us the Father. Show us Proston Patera. Show us Ton Patera, he says. And it's enough for us. We'll be good if you show us the Father. And then, and, and, it, and it's like, but I don't blame Philip because the Lord has hidden this in mystery from them. This isn't something that he exposed to them. This is, this is all happening at one time. And this heavy revelation of, of who Jesus is is hitting them in the face. And so, I don't blame Philip for saying, if you'll show us the Father, then we'll get this understanding. But Jesus had just said, you've seen him. And so, it's, it's redundant. It's a question that Jesus has already answered. And Philip says, if you'll show us the Father. And then Jesus said, Philip, how long have I been with you? And you don't know who I am? When you see me, you see the Father. 
Now, I've had discussion with, and I'm sure you have too, had discussion with other people who, just the other day on the phone, had some people call us. What do you believe? You know, I see your church advertised there on, I don't know what it was, but anyway, they called. and What do you believe? And we're on the phone. We're going down in the truck driving. This person called, and so it's on speakerphone. What do you believe? We preach Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. They don't want that. No, no. What, 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 what is your stances? You know, what, what do you believe about God? You, do you believe the Trinity? And so, you know, always put you in that bag. And, and so I said, you know what? I just choose. I just choose to tell you that we preach Jesus Christ. And he is foremost, and he is all in what we're doing and preaching. And, and, and the woman speaks up. The man was talking to me. The woman speaks up. Well, what about the baptism in Jordan? You know, that's always. An, and, and I'd had enough. What about John 14 when Jesus said, when you've seen me, I've seen, you've seen the Father? I got quiet. I can't figure that one out. I don't know how to get out of that one. Maybe that could mean something else. No, it doesn't. It's very clear. There's no hidden meaning there. When you've seen me, the one seeing me has seen Ton Padera. Now, I want to say to you this morning, you no, know, in our flesh and in our mind, we always have questions about God, and that's the mystery. But I want to say this about the Lord, the man Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus. And again, we say, well, we have two different entities. There are not two different entities. There are the man Christ Jesus. But there's something inside of him, something in the man. He said, my father and I, don't you know that my father and I are one? Hebrews, the 10th chapter, says this about the Lord. The veil is his body. Now, let's go back to the veil for a minute. What was the veil in the old tabernacle? What was the veil? There was two of them. One of them separated the common from the holy place, and then we went from the holy to the holy of holies. We're talking about the holy of holies, that final veil. And in that place... The veil represented like a stop between, and, and thank God, Jesus, Jesus is that stop between. And his body being the veil, if you don't go through that veil, but, but see, the veil is part of the whole building. We're not going to view the veil as being separate, but the veil is part of the Holy of Holies. Just like the altar in there. Just like everything. The veil, it's all one piece. It's all one part. And so his body, when you go in the door of his body, you have entered into him. You don't enter into something else. You enter to him. He is. And so his physical body is the door to his spirit. And his spirit is almighty God. I don't know if that, let that sink in for a second. 
His body is the door. That's why the scripture said, you've got to believe that he's the son of God. You've got to believe that he died and that he rose again. That's talking about the man. If you don't believe in the man, you'll never get to the father. If you don't believe in the flesh, you'll never get to the spirit. And so when we look at the man, and Paul put it this way, one mediator of God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And the problem that we've tried to do is spiritualize everything, but you don't enter into spirit in God. You enter into the man. You enter into the mediator. You enter into the door. And the only door of salvation and the only door of coming to God is through the body, the veil, the man, Jesus Christ. That is why we take communion that says, I realize that on the last night Jesus broke bread with his disciples and he shared that with them. That represents the man, Christ Jesus. You can't get rid of the man. And the problem is we don't want to know the man. We just want to know spiritual stuff. But you're not getting there. There is no contact to God. There is no spiritual experience with God. There is no encounter with God if you don't have the man, Christ Jesus. And therefore Jesus can stand up and say, no one comes. Cross Tom Patera. Except through this man. Is everybody okay? If you're okay, just say amen. And so the revelation that I'm speaking of this morning works this way. Is that to get inside of him which is where his spirit father resides to get inside you have to go through the door and the door is the man I think it's a clear reason why we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified So when we stop to think about this thing and we get so spiritual and want to just rest in spiritual things, let me tell you this morning that we go back to the man, Christ Jesus. Go back to the man. The beautiful thing about this is that there is no way that I can serve God unless I see that example of the man. Unless a man shows me the way, I can't do it. But see, Jesus didn't come again. He emptied himself. He didn't come to walk on earth as God. He came to walk as man. And that man is the perfect example for you and I. Everything that he is, everything that he's done, everything he is about, but yet that person of who he is, God Almighty, is demonstrated in the flesh of the man, 
Christ Jesus. And I was praying and I said this, Lord. Sometimes when we pray, I want to know you, Lord. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I want to know you, Lord. I think every Christian has, right? I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you more. And our mind kind of drifts off to, you know, sort of heavenly stuff. Maybe, you know, some features of way out there somewhere. Paul, after his years of talking to the church about the revelation of Christ, admits this, that I might know him. What does he mean by that? Doesn't he already know the Lord? Doesn't he already, hasn't he preached to the nations? Hasn't he written all these epistles to us that I might know him? Paul understands something. He, he realizes that this thing is not about what we get from God. It's not about God carrying around a goodie bag like Santa Claus and he just wants to pour out all his good stuff to you, man. He just, he just can't wait to give you good stuff. He can't wait to reveal to you who he is. He is the man Christ Jesus. And in him, in who? In the man, dwells all the fullness of the godness bodily. Then see, everything you need is not him external. Everything you need is him internal. So that when we seek Him, we're not seeking Him for external things. I mean, we pray about that. The Lord said to pray about that. We do pray. But when we come to know Him, to, to understand His revelation, to understand who He is, then we are looking to go through that man and find Him in spirit, which is the Lord God Almighty, the I Am. Can you say amen? So I want to encourage you this morning. Let's don't forget about the man Christ Jesus. I began to preach when we got here. I began to preach about the rabbis. Everybody remember that? Preaching about the rabbi for, oh, for months. And, and the Lord was trying to show me something. The rabbi's not just a teacher. That's how the disciples saw him. The rabbi wasn't just a miracle worker. That, that's, that's how the disciples saw him. Until he finally got to the place Caesarea Philippi, and he said to them, Who do you say that I am? And they said, Well, some say you're this, some say you're that, some that. But who do you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter it was who spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Had nothing to do with miracles, signs, and wonders. Come on. Had nothing to do with provision daily for them. It had nothing to do with with all the stuff coming and, and, and maybe the, the church on in the age. But he had a revelation. Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you because you didn't get that out of flesh and blood stuff. You didn't get that out of earthly things. You got that out of a spiritual thing. When you understand that he is the son of the living God, now you have an access now you have an opportunity. Now you have an open door. When you understand He is the Son of the living God, now that door is open for you to understand what the Father has to say. 
inside of him. Everybody say amen. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that we might know you. Lord, that we might know you. Now I know, Lord, that we'll never see you in a fleshly body as long as we are here. We won't know that part, Lord, but the report for us, what has been given to us is that we must believe that whosoever believes, whosoever believes you to be the only begotten of God, then there is opportunity for us. There is spiritual matter then for us. There is connection for us. There is opportunity for us to know you, Yahweh. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you just establish this in our hearts, that we won't forget you. We won't move off from you. No wonder you said, do this in remembrance of me, because you don't want us to forget your body, who you are, the man, Christ Jesus. I pray, burn it into our hearts, and we ask it in Jesus' name, Jesus' presence, Jesus' glory. And the church said, Amen.